Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. Uh, today we have Larry Milstein with us to talk about the future of Gen Z. Larry, welcome to Future of XYZ. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat all things Gen Z and, you know, all the kind of future direction of this generation. Well, it's kind of amazing. I mean, you are Gen Z. You, uh, you know, Gen Z is defined roughly by born after 95, 96, to, according to Pew. But I mean, there's so much to dive into because there's a lot of hype in the world, mm -hmm. in the consumer world, in the political world, in, you know, the electoral world, whatever, in the activist yeah. world about Gen Z. Um, but first of all, like the reason we're talking is, to you is not just because you are a Gen Z. Um, I had a Gen Z on in a cross-generational <laughs> conversation in December yeah. about the future of careers and it was pretty enlightening, but you run an agency that stemmed out of your work running Gen Z strategy at Amex uh, after yeah. you graduated from Yale. And now you've been running this agency called PRISM that really focuses on Gen Z insights, right? Definitely. So kind of the aha moment I had during my time at Amex was how these large companies, um, even extremely successful ones, almost had this dearth of understanding around how to connect meaningfully with next gen audiences. And so you're very generous to call me fully Gen Z. I kind of see myself straddling between the millennial Gen Z demo. Um, I was born in 95, so right on the cusp. Um, and it's this opportunity to, you know, essentially bridge that gap between people trying to reach Gen Z and this, you know, audience that, you know, is, is making waves and, and kind of leading the charge. Yeah, well, it's super interesting because obviously having insights is important because, I mean, and we should talk about how Gen Z is yeah. defined besides the age. Totally. Because you are the largest. I'm going to put you in it for now, yes. but I understand okay, perfect. I am, I am born in 77. Cusper. And I'm yes. a cusp of Gen X and Gen Y, right? Yes. So technically yep. Gen X, but you know, a lot of the indicators of the millennials and mm -hmm. the older millennials. So I understand that, that yeah. bridging. I think it gives us good <laughs> insights, right? I mean, it's, totally. it's a, strategic, a strategic mindset from the outset. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that's very interesting about this is it's the largest cohort. It's like a third of mm -hmm. the world's population. Yeah. Right, one in ten American voters in the twenty twenty election, which is just mind boggling, to be honest. What other like kind of defining qualities? I mean, besides the qualities, yeah. but also like statistically speaking, are we looking at? So I think it's really interesting because, as you mentioned, you can define Gen Z as a demographic. So as you mentioned, like Pew puts it as like born in ninety five through the mid to late aughts. It's like roughly 65 million uh, Gen Zers in the US, 30% of the global population, 2 billion globally. So that's like basically the statistical demographic breakdown of Gen Z. What I think I'm more fascinated by is like the psychographic profile of Gen Z. Um, you know, at a high level, we were the first generation born when the internet was like fully formed or it's kind of at its current stage today. Um, like you don't remember a world without smartphones. Like I'm on the older end and I remember like 
the dial-up tone, but I think people even just a little bit younger than me, like pretty much grew up with like a smartphone as a core part of their early childhood and adolescence, which I think just fundamentally changes how you view access to information, connection with others, um, just your relationship to technology. So that's kind of one component. And then you layer on other elements that I think are fascinating. Like, you know, we grew up in the wake of the global financial crisis. Um, we've seen this 24 seven news cycle where we're constantly bombarded with news and updates. Um, you know, we've now seen our early child, you know, adulthood disrupted um, with the global pandemic. And so I think when you're thinking about Gen Z, it's really important to go beyond the stats and the numbers and think about kind of the cultural, political, social context in which uh, Gen Z is interacting and has come, come of age. Well, I, I think it's a very important point. And one of the things we want to discuss is how is Gen Z fundamentally different or the same or unique from other generations? And I think about, you know, mm -hmm. the context is always important as a strategist, right? Um, yeah. And so as Gen X, totally. we were totally disrupted, frankly. Yeah. I mean, you know, by the dot-com, you know, crash yeah. by 9-11, um, yeah. and, and equally by the collapse in 2008, but not quite so much as the millennials were of that financial crash and the great recession. Now yeah. COVID has completely disrupted what was a pretty smooth sailing looking track for Gen Z. Yeah. Um, and yet there are these qualifiers or the, you know, that are, that are not attitudinal, that are fundamental, yeah. which is like, it's the most racially, racially, ethnically diverse yeah. generation ever in the world. Right. Um, yeah. most educated. I mean, there are things that are really interesting and powerful uh, that I think is why we all are talking so much about Gen Z. What are you most like excited about and what, what gives you interest in, in, in this? Totally. Well, I think as you mentioned, Lisa, like Gen Z is the most diverse, fluid, multi-hyphenate, you know, body positive, breaking down stigmas around mental health, like generation and history. And so I think from that standpoint, as a cohort, it's really fascinating to see how those beliefs can be applied um, in a political context, in a consumer context, uh, in a tech context. It's these kind of fundamental components of like, what are the core values of this generation? Um, I think even compared to millennials, Gen Z has a much more developed filter. So, you know, I think the stat is like, we have an eight second attention span versus like this 12 second attention span for millennials. And I don't think that means that we're like, so, you know, frenetic and our attention is so divided, although that's definitely somewhat the case, but I think what makes us different than earlier generations is our ability to really sift through what's relevant to us versus what is just something we can move forward on. And I think you see that in how algorithms are designed for us with TikTok. It's like, you have like three seconds to capture our attention before we swipe up. So I think that's just a really fascinating way of which we engage with information consumption and the broader kind of world internet and the global environment we're in. The other thing I think is interesting to slightly push back, uh, just because I think that's for the sake of just conversation, like, I don't know if we really were smooth sailing before the pandemic. You know, I think our lives really, in some ways, have existed on this pendulum where we grew up in this 
Obama era, um, you know, I think um, optimism uh, in the country, but then also saw the rise. For those of us who yeah. see it that way, absolutely. Sure. Okay. Well, take that apolitically this sense of progress. Yes. Um, but then we also saw like obviously the rise of Trumpism. And I think to this, uh, this metaphor of the pendulum, we saw the legalization of gay marriage. And now obviously in recent weeks, the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Um, I mean, I think this is also top of mind, like our lives were bookended by Sandy Hook, you know, uh, being in high school or middle school and then Parkland and March for Our Lives and this, this unified effort, one of the first unified efforts by Gen Z um, for, you know, social activism. And then this pendulum swinging where even in recent weeks, you know, more horrendous massacres and, and mass shootings. So I think it's just interesting to think about how we've been navigating through, I think, a very paradoxical world um, and how and trying to make sense of it. Um, and I think social media and the 24-7 news cycle sometimes makes this even more of a um, just complicated sea to navigate through. Well, it's really interesting. And I know your business's focus is yeah. really on helping large consumer companies, yeah. you know, kind of cater and sell to 40% of the, yeah. the, con the, yes. the consuming populace, which yes. is, I think, what the statistic is. But I mean, there is this activism, if you will. I mean, part yeah. of it to me, I just said, you know, at the time, like the Dems yeah. should just hire the Parkland kids because they can actually yeah. create a platform and hold to a message, which the Democrats totally. don't seem able to do. But that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, own, my own my own soapbox yeah. but I think yeah. it's it's true there has been a lot of tragedy and a lot of hurt and even if you look at Gen Z GOP they are more progressive than their older yeah. counterparts so there is this totally. kind of like appreciation even in what is becomes a 24-7 news cycle even in what is social yeah. media which can really choose a, a rabbit hole and a pathway and, yeah. and not give you any other points of view i think what's fascinating about what i'm hearing about gen z is how values oriented how yes. woke to use a word i hate but like how yeah. aware and socially conscious you know, uh, how gender fluid and yet the mental yeah. health crisis is, is affecting Gen Z almost more. I mean, it's everywhere, but it's affecting yeah. Gen Z profoundly. Like totally. How does this, like what concerns you? I mean, there's a lot of hope mm. in the future, but what also concerns you? Yeah. I mean, I think there's of course a lot to be concerned about on like a macro level um i think we talked about this but we're going to be releasing our very first um prism projections report which is essentially a um kind of crowdsourced uh, report of how gen z is feeling from our very own community and i think the number one thing that was probably most existentially concerning um for Gen Z, obviously, is the oncoming climate crisis. I pull like a stat, 68% of Gen Zers surveyed in this report were very concerned about our future um, in terms of how it's going to, how we're going to exist and persevere through this oncoming climate challenges. So I think fun, I think to start with what, I, what gives me pause or concern, I think that's number one. 
Um, and then I think from there, there's, I think, an epidemic of loneliness. I'm not sure if social media has entirely, um, you know, I think it's really fast-tracked some of maybe career opportunities or professional opportunities or surface level social connections, but I think there's a larger conversation around um, addiction and conversations around um, self-worth that I think social media has definitely had detrimental effects around. So I think that's something that, that gives me um, pause. And then I think there's this broader conversation around I think to your point, like, I think I hate the word like quote unquote cancel culture because I think that that's thrown around and has become politicized and it's kind of been defanged of any real meaning. But I think Gen Z as a whole is grappling with what does it mean to, what does it mean for every single person with a smartphone to be put on a platform as our own public figure? And does every discourse require every single person to have a, like talking yeah. point on yeah, like right. yeah exactly it, so I think that like we as a generation are still setting norms around um behave like you know behavior and how we treat one another um on social no and, I, and broader I, yeah I think that's really important because you guys as digital natives um really I think can in some ways lead the way and certainly more importantly shape the future and, and, and so I want to talk a little yeah. for a bit about social media specifically, because yeah. obviously, uh, and I am not shy about out, being outspoken about how much I hate Mark Zuckerberg and Meta and what they have done to the world. So, yeah. but what's fascinating to me is that the underlying technology and the start of Facebook, then Instagram, which I love Instagram, ironically, yeah. WhatsApp, yeah. you know, a third of the world depends I think it's a third of the world on, on Meta's yeah. technology for com basic communications, you know, I mean, totally. especially in the developing world, but it seems that Gen Z is moving away from the Meta and into TikTok, yeah. which is Chinese owned. Yep. And we're not sure exactly where the data and privacy lands. Yep. You have Snapchat. I mean, there are these platforms that exist. I'm sure there are many that I'm not even familiar with. Like yep. what are the favorites and are they evolving yeah. and changing? And what are the least favorites? Like kind of just talked about that for a couple of minutes. Totally. So we actually just did a really exciting project with this global entertainment brand where we talked all about where Gen Z is driving social media, you know, relationships and entertainment habits. And I think one of the most fascinating things for me was you're definitely seeing a shift away from meta products. Um, many Gen Zers don't even have an Instagram anymore. Like that is not even where the social trends are emanating, which is very different from even five years ago. Um, I think TikTok is definitely capturing the lion's share of our attention. Um, you're also seeing the way in which they're starting to monetize um, content. And it's also becoming this point of discovery and e-com. And I think you're seeing this broader shift as eyeballs go to TikTok and privacy concerns and geopolitical concerns. We can, we'll shelve that for now. But I think to highlight some things on that may not be on your listeners' radar, um, there was a big conversation around this new platform called Be Real. Um, and it's basically this like anti-social media app in some ways where at any given moment in the day, you receive an alert and you're essentially uh, prompted to take a photo wherever you are, uncurated, unfiltered, like essentially to just be real. 
And that's gained a lot of traction among Gen Z because I think people are really sick of the superficiality that people project on social media. Like totally the Instagram face. Like, I think there's going to be years, you know, decades from now, I think people are going to talk about how we've kind of all morphed into this looking like the same. Um, And I think that be real is in some ways a very small antidote and reflects, I think, more than this one specific platform, who knows if it'll have lasting power or maybe it'll go the way of Clubhouse. But I think it's this idea of how has Gen Z pushed against this pressure of performativity online um, towards finding something that feels a little bit more authentic or real and that desire. So we'll see kind of where, where the trend goes, but I don't, I think the Instagram aesthetic is starting to, to fade for real. That's good. So I want to do a quick round robin on, uh, on, on Gen Z attitudes towards dot, dot, dot. You ready? Yes. Fashion. Sustainable, um, circular economy, uh, secondhand. Awesome. Finance and investing. Pragmatism, transparency with a sprinkle of crypto as we'll see the markets evolve. (laughs) Music. Uh, Coming from TikTok, you know, um, like street, like curated on Spotify, um, almost as like a form, another form of like social, media in in a lot of ways gender and sexuality fluid inclusive um defying binaries and categories uh celebrity um celebrity i think the rise of, you know, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think we're entering an era where everyone can be a celebrity. Um, and as like Warhol said, I think everyone's going to have this 15 minutes of fame. Sports. It's not coming up, is it? It, it doesn't like it's, it's, it doesn't ever come up. It is weird. It is. I think in terms of mental health, actually, like I think that people are supporting athletes saying, "Hey, um, I need to, uh, you know, step back and prioritize my physical and mental health." Last one before I ask the last question of the interview: okay. shopping and brands. Again, transparency, authenticity, uh, product quality. Interesting. Cool. Well, thank you for that. I think that the last question I just want to ask is, you know, where do you see this generation? I mean, people talked a lot about, you know, in the 60s, you know, the disruption for the boomers was was Vietnam, of course, where, you know, hundreds of thousands yeah. of men were getting drafted. The hippie generation became the boomers. You know, where do we see Gen Z um, heading in, let's say, 10, 20, 30 years? What do you think and what do you hope? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to start any generational beef, but I think the major difference between uh, boomers and Gen Z is like, I think the boomer hippie generation was extremely idealistic and really focused on these like utopian efforts. And there wasn't really a middle ground to achieving that. I think Gen Z is actually, you know, almost really practical and sometimes maybe to a degree even cynical, but fairly so to a point. And so we do have these strong ideals, but we're also really self-aware of the, the challenges that I think are going to be um, the challenge that we're going to face in order to achieve those. So I think, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, I think my hope is that Gen Z will really um, unify around core um, priorities. Um, as we talked about, you know, I think fighting the climate crisis, um, you know, continuing to champion um, rights um, for uh, LGBTQ people, for women, um, for, um, you know, people of color. I think these are things that are really intrinsic to, to Gen Z's values. And then I also think we're going to have a larger conversation around our dependency on, on technology and media. And so if those elements alongside, I'm sure a host of other things that are top of mind for Gen Z are things that we can at least improve upon, I would say that we've, we've, done, a, we've done a pretty good job. I love that. Larry, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ today. Good luck. Uh, Larry's going to get his MBA at Oxford in the UK um, in the fall. So uh, good luck there. And um, thank you again for all these great insights. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was great chatting with you. Um, and you, thank you everyone to listening as well or watching. Uh, if you don't already subscribe to Future of XYZ, do so on YouTube or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Future of XYZ or uh, visit future-of.xyz to nominate yourself or another person you know who's equally as interesting to Larry uh, to be a future guest. So thank you again and see you all uh, actually in September. Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.